Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm so glad to be here uh, representing the UTSA SVDC COVID Business Recovery Accelerator. Um, as you can see from the map of Texas on your screen, the dark shaded blue portion represents the UTSA Institute for Economic Development Center Southwest Texas border network uh, coverage area. And we say we cover the largest geographic region of Texas from El Paso all the way down to Brownsville from the Big Bend over to Victoria. We cover 79 counties. Um, so that is the largest geographic region of Texas. We are not actually the largest demographic region of Texas. That is the University of Houston Gulf Coast SBDC network. They have about, I think about half or maybe slightly less than half of the counties that we serve. But um, if you know West Texas much, there's some counties out there that have more uh, goats and tumbleweeds than they have people. But we do serve a very large community. Um, the entire Texas-Mexico uh, uh, border region is within our service area. So we're really glad to be here today uh, representing all of our fine lead centers and uh, all of the resources of the UTSA Institute for Economic Development as well. So I am really honored to be a, a part of this event. We uh, started very early, actually, our first requests for assistance to small businesses came in at the end of February. Uh, even when some of our business clients were experiencing issues with import-export, and as soon as they started also experiencing issues with business downturn um, and possibly impacts on their workforce, we started motivating immediately to find out the best resources to provide to small business owners in all the communities that we serve. Um, as of April 15th, we actually stood up the COVID Business Recovery Accelerator specifically and the websites uh, that we're going to review with you today, the website and information we're going to review with you today. And so I think that Madi is going to share those so you might take a moment to, uh, to make a note of those, but we'll also be happy to send those out to you. Um, when I go to, uh, I'll give you just a moment while I just share a couple other things. My colleague Jaime Martinez is with me today also. He's the senior project manager for the Business Recovery Center. And uh, Jaime will also be available to, to chime in during this session. And then uh, I will be supporting him with information when he presents in Spanish. So again, we're really glad to be here. And the specific resources we're going to be looking at today is our overall website, which is txsbdc.org forward slash business recovery. Hope that's very easy for folks to remember and bookmark and feel free to use it and share that information around. Our goal is to be a very simple and direct resource to get to all of the many resources that we know that you have seen. Um, I, I, think, I, I think we've probably all been sort of drinking from the fire hose of resources that have come, have come at us, um, news that we have seen. We've tried to simplify that with the idea that this is not every single resource, but it's a, a great way to shape the questions that you might have in requesting further resources from us. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen if, if I can get started on that. Just wanna to touch bases as our listeners yes. can take the opportunity. 
Um, now this information that we're sharing, Dieter, you are absolutely correct. We have touched on this numerous times, listeners. However, with the changing on a, on a daily basis, you know, regulations, requirements, information gets updated. So what we want to do is make sure that we circle around as Deidre is going to touch on some vital information that may affect you and may not affect you. But again, we want those subject matter experts to be able to touch. Deidre, thank you for mentioning Jaime Martinez. He will be assisting Deidre uh, during this presentation, but we have the honor of actually having him also as he does the Spanish version. But again, thank you again, and with no further ado, I'll let you continue. Thanks so much, um, and and thanks, Jenny, for bringing that up because uh, Juanita, I'm sorry, I decided no to give you a, give you a nickname on the fly. Um, thank you for bringing that up because I am I I want to be sure that I'm you know addressing kind of the big picture topics of what are is certainly affecting your workplace. Um, what has been affecting your workplace and what might help shape uh, your and will certainly be impacting your new normal what what will be the reality for your workplace going forward so i'm going to try to draw those um to to draw some lines between the ways that you um, might have been engaging in certain hr practices um, what you need to understand about some of the processes that you're engaged in, if you're utilizing any of the SBA funding, how those interact with the CARES Act, and with just your general responsibilities as an employer, and your novel responsibilities, especially with topics uh, such as unemployment claims. And so as we look at the website, our website now, um, what I'm uh, looking to share with you and, and help you navigate is, is the, some fairly direct links to resources, one of which I'd like to draw your attention to is our phone number, 210-458-2272. Um, that is the way to access assistance from uh, all of the staff at the COVID Business Recovery Accelerator, or if you need to get a message directly to Jaime or myself, that's a great way to reach us also by our email at businessrecovery at utsa.edu. And I just would certainly encourage you all to bookmark this website. Our goal is to make sure that it's kind of a, a one stop of key information, but it's not the full stop. In other words, we want you to look here for information to help shape the questions that we can help you um, customize answers to. So we are absolutely here to help. We're here to be the bridge to all the great partners uh, that are on here today. And we, we hope we'll all keep this virtuous cycle of assistance going. And by this maybe, you know, if this is the only way you know to reach out to any of the folks you see today, that's great. We'll keep it moving. So if you think about this research as your one stop, you can find an overview of funding opportunities, both from the SBA and other funding sources, including many local resources uh, that are specific to Texas and reaching out to some of our other centers throughout the region that I, I noted that we serve. Because if say you're in Austin, there maybe are some specific grants that are available for the Austin community. Um, our friends down in Corpus know about some specific activity that is going on locally to support small businesses, especially in the rural area. So reach out to us. We want to help you find the best resource to support your new normal in terms of funding. 
But what I'm really here to talk about today, as Juanita mentioned, that you know, I'm a subject matter expert in, in HR. That's the hat that I wear. Um, I will uh, provide the caveat that I'm not an attorney and I do not play one on television, uh, but I do try to stay as up to date as possible on the um, legal ramifications of various HR regulatory understandings um, and uh, you know, the impact on you as an employer um, and some of the best resources to help you develop effective workforce policies. And to that end, we have collected information here on our employer resources page to help you navigate your, the, major, the, the key um, regulatory issues that, that, are, that are impacting folks during this recovery period. This is not all. The Fair Labor Standards Act, for exa example, remains in effect. <laughs> Department of Labor still has activity other than FFCRA that it's engaged in. Uh, but these are the acts that I think people are, are looking at right now to help them determine how to best make decisions about their workforce and what that looks like in the new normal. So when I was thinking about how the Paycheck Protection Program um, and aiming toward forgiveness affects small business employers, I looked at what are, what are the sites that are giving me answers, or at least giving me answers to date on what plans work employers should make for their workforce. So I think it's a, a good idea to look at kind of that overarching loan forgiveness guideline directly from the SBA. And so that is, right here on loan details and forgiveness. So kind of that high level overview, I'm sure that we've all heard, is that goal of keeping at least 75% of expenses that we utilize from PPP funds focused directly on compensation to the employee. Um, I think that, that keeping that in mind at this point is still a, a, a very good idea. Um, Jaime and I have been talking about just the, the changing um, you know, environment of these of these guidelines since we first started talking about this, you know, back in back in April. And we feel that the best recommendation we can make for any employer is to act now with due diligence on the best information available and maybe focus on the most restrictive definitions in order to optimize potential forgiveness. And so if we keep looking at our activity related to utilizing PPP funds based on that 75%. At this point, we know that's the most restrictive guidance. There are proposals and um, efforts on the part of lawmakers to maybe adjust that because they're getting feedback that many employers are having a hard time bringing back workers and therefore meeting that 75% might be a very big challenge. And we know that this Act was uh, was was initialized with the idea of maximizing that forgiveness of the loan. So, with that in mind, we we recommend at this point, if you act on that most restrictive definition of maintaining seventy five percent expenses on direct compensation, then you have the greatest chance of of receiving forgiveness. So that's kind of a step one when I think about what does the new normal look like. Well, maximizing employee retention. Now, Deidre, now, and, and you're so right, you know, you have to act on what's, what's current, and thank you for pointing that out. Now, 
let's say that hypothetically we know there's uh, you know there's a potential or that it changes what and i know that i've always been taught especially when we're talking about with sbdc uh here in san in san antonio i was always told documentation documentations do your receipts do you know keeping basically an audit trail you know to to document to if and when or should it ever happen that you get audited you have those documents supporting you know those transactions at the time that it was you know that you executed it is is that something that, that you should go back to maybe another um anything else within that that kind of gives you those guidelines that's a that's a great question and as a matter of fact is my is my screen still sharing yes it is okay well let's find out where it went <laughs> there it went okay um and so if we go back to um, the main employer resources page, I have included the FAQs for the PPP from both SBA and from the Treasury Department. And the reason I've chosen to include them, but they currently match, but sometimes one agency is getting approval to do their update apparently before the other agency is. So I've made sure I'm linking to them both just so everyone will have maximized their information. And I'm going to go right now to the SBA's FAQ because I think it gives a great example. Within the FAQs, there's some specific examples that as I think about, it's, it's interesting that we are talking about the new normal because I do think that sometimes some business owners are becoming aware of ways that they can actually improve their processes and their record keeping guidelines. And I think in particular, SBA FAQ number 40 gives a very specific example of an action a business owner can take that will both help them be more I, I would say from the HR standpoint, more compliant with good HR record keeping processes and also create effective defense in the case of um, offering someone a position um, and receiving a refusal and having that affect the potential forgiveness of the PPP. So the example here in FAQ, for example, is uh, written job offers. As an HR professional, I have always recommended written job offers. Sometimes I'm thinking some of these things are happening uh, uh, that are, are giving me a wonderful opportunity to jump on my soapbox for great record keeping and good HR business practices. I would always recommend written job offers. There, it's something you certainly can always do and there are great reasons to do it. I would say even in what I call the before times, I recommend written job offers um, to create a consistent and professional, professional communication with your candidate to track any necessary contingencies. Um, for example, if you need to make a contingent, a contingent offer of employment based upon the need for a background check, et cetera, um, it creates a, a consistent process both for the employee to understand what their responsibilities are and for the employer to verify that their process has been followed. In this case, FAQ 40 is giving us direction on the rehire process um, and how that, how we maximize, maximize forgiveness if, for example, we are counting on a certain number of employees to return to us and we find that we are not able to maintain that workforce at the level that we wish to maintain it at. Um, it's, it's very important, I think, throughout this that employers look back at the 
records that they utilize to request the PPP in the first place. And so throughout the FAQs, and you know, in the early part of the FAQs, I'm sure that you all have talked about this before, you know, how people even qualified for the PPP. So the records that folks gathered in order to qualify should help to guide them in maintaining their records moving forward and help them to think about how to enhance that documentation, both as the potential for what may be a fairly narrative process of requesting forgiveness. And, and what I mean by that is we don't have one definitive uh, process for requesting forgiveness. You know, at this point, when you look at either the SBA or the FAQ on forgiveness, you'll note that the forgiveness will be requested from the lender directly. Um, lenders are certainly asking for better guidance on how they manage the forgiveness process. But at the same time, with FAQs like this, and this one was added, if I remember correctly, it was May, May 5th. Um, so that was a good ways into the process, you know, that was, that was over three weeks into the request process for PPP. Um, when you were given directions such as this, that clearly will be more than simply, you know, a tick mark on a, on a checklist of whether or not you met the standards for forgiveness, you know, it's actually gathering evidence of the workforce retention process. Well, I would say other types of evidence on workforce retention rehire or even new hire in order to maintain that full-time equivalency is going to be a really important process. We don't have definitive guidance on it right now, but again, if we're looking at our new normal be based, being based on the most restrictive interpretation of the guidelines we have at the moment, then I would say, as an HR professional, I need to look at the positions and the workforce, the, the total workforce and compensation um, uh, projections that I made at the time of requesting this, and, and how do I maintain, retain, or rehire and new hire all of those positions. So gathering that kind of uh, information um, perhaps enhancing job descriptions when positions have changed, because the reality is suitable work today might look different than suitable work looked in January. Um, there is certainly an increased need for sanitation, um, safety guidelines, um, both enhancing and enforcing, you know, safety guidelines, PPP, PPE, et cetera, that might not have been in previous job descriptions that we would expect in the job descriptions moving forward. That definitely covers the topic because I know that it's a question that I'm sure has probably um, been lingering for some of our small business owners as well as, you know, um, you know, for the employees as well. But thank you very much for answering that. Thank you. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tie that into the next area that we provided resources on. And that is, if there are any other questions about Paycheck protection and what that looks like in your workforce moving forward. Feel free to to let one need to know, and we will, you know, certainly address that. But I kind of like want to move along. Uh, I just want you to know we have these PPP resources available. We're happy to help you research the best answer. Um, and just you probably have heard there is definitely um, quite the hue and cry amongst everyone from you know attorneys, accountants. Um, associations and lawmakers, I think it's, there's pretty much bipartisan support to try to establish a more definitive guideline for forgiveness. So we all hope that that's forthcoming soon. But in the meantime, we, we need to be able to act now. So as we look at 
making sure that our workforce fulfills the needs of supporting and sustaining our business, as well as meeting our the highest level of, of opportunity that we have for loan forgiveness from the PPP or taking and or taking advantage of other resources, such as the elements of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. So the choices that we've made about resources here are, um, I have maintained a link to the very first news brief um, that the Treasury Department put out on the FFCRA, because I think it does such a great kind of high level overview of the key elements of opportunities to employers. And that is taking advantage of perhaps some paid sick leave, what that coverage looks like, the return of funds, um, what the small business protection um, is for, for our business owners with fewer than 50 employees. Um, the delay, there was a 30-day delay in actually enforcing that act. We're well past that 30-day delay. Um, but it provides just a great overview because I think that some people have just heard paid sick leave and, and been concerned that they uh, might ob be obligated to a process that they have not been prepared for, especially if they're a very small business. Um, and I think that this does a really good job of just providing an overview of what the opportunity is while also setting guidelines for understanding of what an individual company's regulatory obligation is and their opportunity for requesting uh, relief from an obligation that, that might be a burden on them. So that's just the overview and I think it's valuable to look at. I've also provided a link to the IRS more detailed guidance um, on the tax credit opportunities. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat that as an accountant, I make a great HR consultant. I in no way, shape, or form claim to be an accounting professional. And I do strongly encourage all business owners um, to seek assistance from a professional um, in, in, in tax preparation if they take advantage of any of these opportunities. And we at the SBC will definitely be looking at more guidance um, on, uh, that we can share. I will tell you also that the IRS and the SBA have um, recognized that some of their directives are not necessarily uh, coinciding. I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to say they disagree, but the IRS, every agent, every federal agency, of course, is responsible for um, assessing and insert, asserting its understanding of its own guidance responsibilities. So the IRS has looked at the CARES Act and said, given all other IRS laws and guidance, this is what we understand that we are going to enforce in relationship to taking advantage of some of these programs. And the SBA has said, wait, you know, we were told within the act that, that this is the guidance. Um, that, that could probably be a whole day's worth of detail <laughs> on those individual taxes. So what I would once again want to recommend to small business owners is that they look at their own understanding at the current date and exercise due diligence in meeting that requirement. And I want to call out um, an, an interesting point that when you look at the IRS guidelines, there is something that I have not um, previously seen in 
other directives and other um, in other um, disasters. And that is, as you look at some of the details, they they will note that to date, and I'm, I'm trying to find the right one. To date, some of the interpretations um, have not been um, codified, and so that whatever action you take on this date is your understanding as of this date. And it may not be used at a later date in court. So I think that's a really important point to note. Um, I noticed that they have just updated today. It looks like um, they are starting to put some, there, there had been some more of those uh, qualifiers up till yesterday <laughs> on on some of on some of these these guidance forms. But you also notice there's a whole lot of guidance here. So I do encourage business owners to to look for you know professional assistance when they take advantage of some of those credits. What I would like to address that I think affects the new normal for most business owners that we know of with fewer than 50 employees um, is what their specific obligation is. So let me tell you actually what the obligation for every employer with fewer than 50, I mean, I'm sorry, fewer than 500 employees, but more than one, one or more, one from one to 499, every employer is a subject employer to the FFCRA. So being a subject employer means you need to provide the required notice. And this is the required notice. So we have the direct link to the notice that should be provide, provided to any employee who has been employed by you from April 1st through December 31st of 2020. So that is the, that is the applicable range to subject employers. Hmm. A subject employer, again, is any employer with fewer than 500, so 499, all the way down to one employee. So what that means is you must, re you must provide this notice to all employees employed by you from April 1st through December 31st. Even if they're only employed by you from April 1st to April 2nd, <laughs> technically, you should have provided this notice or if it were requested, you would need to engage in the interactive process. Now to address again, what I said is I think the new normal for most small businesses, those with fewer than 50 employees, um, Department of Labor has done, I think, a great and detailed job of um, outlining their FAQs, and I'm going to skip down to the one that I'm most often asked to clarify, and that's FAQ number 40. Um, so I think a lot of business owners initially heard, well, if I have fewer than 50 employees, you know, I'm, I'm exempt from the FFCRA. And that is a, that is a, um, that's somewhat inaccurate in that you're still subject, but you may request a small business exemption if, that, if the provision of the paid sick leave would jeopardize the viability of your business. And so that's very, very specific. So let me tell you real quick about the ways the act would be investigated and enforced. This is a complaint-based act. So the Department of Labor has not designated any investigators specifically to go out. They're not doing random audits like other Department of Labor audits are, are performed. Um, they are not 
going and knocking on doors. It is a complaint-based investigation. So if an employee were to request leave and leave and job protection under the FFCRA, the employer, no matter, as long as you're between one and 499 employees, must engage in the interactive process to determine their eligibility to provide the leave. If you have fewer than 50 employees, it would, and you do not typically provide any type of paid leave, and the provision of leave would require you to decrease your workforce, um, not be able to operate effectively, um, then it would be reasonable to assert that providing the, that leave would jeopardize the viability of your business. But it, it's, an, it's, an, it's an activity that the employer must engage in. Um, they are subject. The exemption doesn't get filed anywhere. It would be simply if you were investigated, you would need to provide um, documentation, as, we, as Juanita pointed out earlier, um, that, that you had engaged in the interactive process and, and determined that you were ineligible, uh, unable, unable to provide that leave and still function effectively. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another great example of the documentation. So hopefully we've all had you know, great documentation about the communications with our workforce. Interestingly, I think that a lot of us probably have some records that we haven't had before now that we're um, communicating um, more remotely. Maybe we have emails, maybe we have texts. Make sure if you are um, having communication about any elements of your um, employees' work activities, offers of work activities, leave activities, requests for leave, all of those things. If you're having those conversations in text, make sure that you're saving them, do those screen captures, do whatever you have to do to provide that documentation. But that's what, that's what will help you protect the remainder of your, your workforce if you are not able to provide leave workers in this case. So an, an interesting point, um, I had a conversation with someone else, uh, another business owner the other day, and we were kind of talking about what are the differences and the interactions between all these acts. So if you would think about the Paycheck Protection Program, it's an economic stimulus program. It's a paycheck protection. So it is designed to keep those funds circulating in our economy through our payroll process. The FFCRA is a job protection act. In other words, it is for the benefit uh, of, of employers to, to take advantage of if they can receive um, uh, funding to offer leave to employees, but it is, it is a job protection for the individual. Um, that the employees have both the opportunity and the responsibility to engage in the interactive process over. And then finally, we have the Texas Workforce Commission guidelines, our unemployment insurance process. And if you think about TWC as being responsible for income protection to our citizens, I think that maybe that, I, I, I hope that kind of clarifies the difference between the acts. Some of them have interaction. You noted that I talked about FAQ number 40 under the Paycheck Protection Plan, providing guidance that employers who offer positions to employees 
who either cannot or choose not to return to the workplace, there's a process by which they can receive, um, continue to receive their maximum forgiveness as long as they've engaged in a consistent process. Well, the Texas Workforce Commission has just established a brand new process that might be another step in that documentation for the employer and is also, I think, a clarification and enhancement of understanding to both um, unemployment uh, insurance applicants and to employers on how they communicate with TWC on eligibility for benefits. And that is this employer work refusal documentation. So um, I, I put this up top because it's a brand new process and I think it's really important to talk about. The uh, prior to the development of this particular process, the only way an employer could inform the Texas Workforce Commission um, that an employee who had made a, a claim and, and while that employer was receiving chargeback protection for that claim, that employer was still, that employee was still of record on that employer's account. The only way that an employer could notify the Texas Workforce Commission is if they had made a mass claim so they would have had to have participated in the process with um, contacting TWC about 10 or more employees who were being furloughed or laid off, um, or they would have to have used what was called the fraud process. Well, I had many employers contact me to say, this employee isn't committing fraud, they just can't come back to work because their health is at risk, or somebody in their household's house is at risk, or they don't have childcare, due to the COVID issue and schools being closed. So there are a lot of novel qualifying grounds for continuing to be unable to take advantage of suitable work. And so this new process actually helps employers manage effective communication with TWC while not having to adjudicate the reason that the employee is unable. So in this case, there are multiple um, ways that the employer can share with TWC the, the reason that that worker is not able to participate at the same time. It seems to me, and I'm still asking for verification of how the communication comes back to the employer, um, but it seems to me that this will be another step in the documentation that the employer will have that they engaged in the appropriate interactive and job offer process in order to defend any PDP or other types of claims and also to maintain effective records on how they worked at retaining their workforce. So I think this is a great step that TWC has made. And TWC overall, I think, has just been out the gate uh, making a great effort in providing the, the most up-to-date and important information to employers to understand what both their responsibilities are and their opportunities are in utilizing the resources of TWC, in protecting themselves against chargeback claims when um, they, uh, vary, you know, in the, the various ways in which this pandemic has impacted their workforce. So whether, as happened very early in March for some of my clients, they experienced business downturns that necessitated layoffs, furloughs, or, or possibly even, you know, uh, 
temporary and now sustained closure of their business, whether it were things like the stay safe orders that might have caused them not to be able to bring their workforce in. There's, there's a lot of different reasons that employers um, may have had work separations and TWC has done just a great job of providing, you know, constantly, when they first started this particular page, I wanna say you only had to scroll down about this far. As you can see now, there is a lot of information on this page. They've provided great detail, including even a visual of the time frame that workers are eligible uh, for benefits. Um, detailed links on how employers um, can get information on, for example, there was an extension of the first quarter tax reports and payment process. Um, so just, just tons and tons of information uh, for employers on their interactions with the Texas Workforce Commission. Um, the other elements I wanted to point out in particular from TWC, the, the, the image I showed you of uh, there's a, the filing, uh, there's the time frame for eligibility for benefits, and here's also an image on how these, how the, the various benefits are available, um, including to that non-traditional applicant. And I think that that's one of the things that uh, the Texas Workforce Commission just jumped on right away to make sure that some small business owners who would be sole proprietors, uh, independent contractors, that self-employed contractor gig worker, how they could see how they could access the, the resources um, during this time that had been set aside for them, specifically for pandemic unemployment assistance. Um, they, TWC has continued to evolve um, their processes to make sure that they're more accessible, including giving very specific guidelines to those sole proprietors, those, those non-traditional applicants for how they can take advantage of, of these resources. Um, and I, I just, I, uh, I'm not in the business of, uh, uh, I, I'm not paid by TWC as a PR person, but I would like to make that connection and show how once again, one of our, you know, we have a great resource here in the state of Texas. I have seen time and time again that TWC has been reaching out to try to make sure business owners can communicate uh, effectively how the process is affecting them and also get information on how they can take advantage of um, protections such as the chargeback protection, um, understanding what the benefits to their employees will be because I do think that a lot of employers they're asking me questions that where they are very concerned if they have not received any type of funding that would allow them to bring their workforce back in they want to make sure that that those employees who've been loyal to them that they're loyal to them and that they're getting support and able to still function in our communities I agree with you Deidre. I think they've done an excellent job not just supporting the, the small business owner but also shedding some information and guiding some of the employees where, and, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the time that, that the employee and the employer are able to really collaborate to where they're able to find, as you've been, you know, emphasizing their new normal and to return. But I also noticed that there's guidelines because unfortunately, as I was noticing on the employer work refusal documentation, you know, it has certain criteria that you're able to from an employer's perspective, support the employee because their, their first interest is making sure that the safety of their, of, of their employee, 
so that the, the business functioned correctly. And I saw, you know, childcare. That, and that's definitely forward thinking. So thank you for pointing that out. And I think that that's definitely a consideration in the new normal. Um, from an HR standpoint, I, I always tell business owners, you know, your responsibility is to make an objective job offer to an individual, no matter their circumstances. We are now in the new normal. We are having to have much better communication and interaction on what an individual's circumstances on are because those are now being affected by um, uh, you know challenges and impacts beyond that individual's control. So you'll notice, I'm sure you've probably heard before, that in the before times, an unemployment claim was uh, not supportable because of the absence of childcare, because the Texas Workforce Commission does, of course, um, offer some support to certain individuals to help them receive childcare. But now the issue is that the childcare may not even be available in the community. Schools are closed, Absolutely. other childcare facilities might not be available. Persons in the family or neighborhood, et cetera, persons who might otherwise have provided childcare may be ill, may be vulnerable. So there's just, there's so many more factors that are outside of any individual's control. That is why TWC has adjusted the eligibility for benefits based on childcare. But ultimately what it all comes down to is um, the physical safety of everyone. Absolutely. And that is why we have also made sure that we've included um, some great safety resources. And once again, um, you know, this may be in a proud Texan. I think Texas has just been a leader and our Department of State Health Ser Services provides incredible resources on returning to the workplace, um, managing some uh, effective health protocols and providing detailed business uh, information to businesses and, you know, employers specifically, and information that they can hand down to their employees. You know, any employer's number one responsibility in the workplace is always the physical safety of the human beings in that workplace. Now, they have a specific regulatory requirement for safety that comes from OSHA. It's the 29 CFR. So if you have even one employee your most basic responsibility is to ensure the physical safety of that worker in their workplace activities. And uh, at a minimum, tell them how to, what to do in case of a fire. That's the very bare minimum of the OSHA 29 CFR guideline. But beyond that, there are additional responsibilities maybe based on the NAICS code, uh, the industry you participate in, um, the specific activities, the equipment an individual utilizes, the supplies they utilize. The great thing about all of these um, resources is they are continuing to be, they're continuing to evolve and be enhanced. And I, I, I think we all have some great opportunities to shape our new normal, utilizing all these resources from the Texas Department of State Health Services, from OSHA, from the CDC, and even from the Texas Department of Insurance. The Texas Department of Insurance continues to offer resources um, for not only for, you know, their, their number one job, of course, is to ensure that the consumer of insurance products in the state of Texas is protected. Well, not only do they do that from the standpoint of the 
codicils in the in the insurance writers and things like that they don't help just help business owners uh, interpret those they want to make sure that they have a complete risk management um, process so there is safety training available from the Texas Department of Insurance workplace safety group they will they it looks as though they will be in the future um, reinstating their in-person training but I think that they're also working on more virtual training as well so there are so many great great resources I we could have a whole afternoon if in I'm happy to do that one day if you'd like, or we have some other safety professionals. There, all of these resources can help as you define the new normal, determine both what your responsibilities are from a regulatory standpoint, of course, and some definitive guidelines on how to do that. I'm, I'm just going to touch on the Department of State Health Services, their COVID-19 page that with the minimum health protocols, and these are just, for example, protocols for restaurants. So this detailed list, this detailed list, you know, it's a great checklist that any restaurant owner could go through to maximize their highest responsibility. Um, let's see. Are you able to see this PDF at this time, Juanita? Okay, yes. great. Yes, it's, it's visible. It's okay, visible. wonderful. So just the, the um, you know, this is a specific checklist for the, um, the business, you know, the business owner to be able to utilize. So that's, that's just one of the, one of the really, one of the many, many great resources that are available um, from the Department of State Health Services, just for example. Um, right. And then Finally, we also have cybersecurity resources. And I think when we talk about the safety of our workforce, you know, physical safety is absolutely always the first. Once you know that everyone who is uh, encountering your workers, all human beings who are being encountered are safe, then you also need to look at what are some of the other steps for business safety. And cybersecurity, we know, is one of the bigger risks that, that many of our business owners face. And so we have some great training here. Um, you can review the training itself or watch the video. And we maintain alerts on key cyber risks that most small that some small business owners are experiencing as well. So with that, I'm sorry, am I? So going Sometimes back to your, going sure back to I'm your, sharing. let's go back to your PowerPoint, Deidre, because I know you've got a lot of great links and examples on how you can, uh, how, as how we can provide to our audience. Thank you. And Madi, can you put that back up? I'm sorry. I'm not sure what I'm sharing right now. I'm having all these pop-ups on my, I'm, 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 I'm realizing some of my own technical limitations today. You know what? And, and that's okay. It does not let me until you stop sharing your screen. Thank you. Okay. And, and I have already received some emails requesting the recording. So I'll make sure to respond. If, if you want the recording and the presentation, please email me at madi at maestrocenter.org. And I'll make sure to send it your way as well. So let me pull it up. Here you go. Was this the one that you were looking for, Deidre? Juanita, is that is that the page that you would like yes. us to share? Yes. So as we go, can you, can you move forward? 
Marty, I know that she, uh, Deidre was showing us the link where she had the opportunity because we want to make sure that we were able to show everyone the link on where they can go to it. Uh, Deidre has done a phenomenal job to be able to provide us examples, um, frequently asked questions. And I know I do have one right now. So let me, let me go back and touch on, on one of the questions. Um, though you touched on it and we talked about documentation, Deidre, one of the questions from our audience is, um, are we able to wait? Let me go back to the question. He goes, are we able to wait um, to notify the employee one to two weeks until work comes in um, because the work is not available or is in case that, you know, we're having to wait for work to come in? Or should we notify them now, you know, for them to come back even though there's no work? So if the, if the question is regarding um, in relationship to PPP forgiveness, mm -hmm. please remember, you know, you have an eight-week clock for forgiveness. And depending upon when you receive the PPP funds, um, if it was in the first round, we know that everyone is looking at um, that June 30th suspense date. Um, so people are concerned, you know, are they going to be able to spend their funds appropriately, you know, in that, in that time frame? Uh, there is no requirement in the PPP that, that work has to be accomplished to receive the paycheck. So remember those definitions I was telling you again. The PPP is a, a paycheck protection program. Um, as long as you utilize your funds in the currently designated fashion, you optimize your opportunity for forgiveness. I am not in the business of telling anyone exactly how to operate their business. I'm not telling you that, um, that you have to have appreciable work in order to pay people, but I'm also telling you that there's no requirement that you have appreciable work in order to pay people. You have many options for how you expend those funds. There are businesses that um, are able to function and have work, and therefore they're able to maximize these funds so that they have income coming in, while technically they already have the payroll resources to pay for that income. So that income will be direct income without it having to be having work having compensation deducted from it because that compensation is being otherwise covered um so if the so question maybe, i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead so maybe the question maybe the question is you know could could they wait one to two weeks before notifying the employee to return um is that is that something that can be done to safeguard them in preparing or could you utilize the employee in preparing the business to reopen, meaning Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there is no requirement that, that the paycheck be provided um, for the role that it was pre previously provided for. The compensation okay. rates need to maintain some stability. Um, one of the requirements is that you know you cannot receive uh, forgiveness or it may be deducted if you decrease um, compensation by more than 25%. And then of course there's another concomitant issue with the Texas Workforce Commission because of course 
PwC guidelines say that an employee has good cause to quit if you reduce their wages by 20% or more. So, um, you know, wage deduction is an issue, but pay for alternate work is not an issue. You could pay people to engage in training. You could pay people to engage in the deep cleaning of your business. You can pay people to take care of themselves and be prepared <laughs> to return to the workforce. So you could, you could utilize that pay for a variety of reasons. Um, I, I, I think that, that probably that question probably has a lot of, of different answers from different viewpoints and, and different both opportunities and regulatory responsibilities. And maybe this is one of those questions that may need to be reevaluated and have that discussion with that subject matter expert, such as the CPA, or whoever does their taxes, or whoever does the business analysis, or even the business plan as far as the labor. Absolutely, we'd be happy to, to you know, if there's more, if there's uh, more in depth, and if it is related to the PPP, I think we can really we can dig into it a lot more and see what those opportunities are. Marty, and to mention. Yes, next week we're having a, a professional CPA come to our session to talk in more in depth for, uh, on that topic, but also to discuss various different topics like managing cash flow and, and how to make the most out of the funds you currently have. So that's something that you should be keeping in the lookout because we're, we're trying to bring the professionals to guide you as well. Adri, thank you so much. You brought in a wealth of knowledge um, we really value it, especially to our, you know, to our entrepreneurs. And I'm sure there's probably employees listening to this, but the fact that you shed light on the fact that TWC is not just looking at the employer, but the employee. Speaking of employers and employees, the, uh, Marty, who do we have from HEB? Because I know we always have an opportunity to be able to bring back Ms. Crystal Royal. So could you tell us a little bit uh, about what Ms. Chris Royal has to offer for us, ma'am. Yes, so we're really lucky and fortunate to have HEB as a partner. And they're, they're right now accepting more applications for you to be able to work with HEB. So we, we're supporting local and we wanna make sure we, we can stress this enough because HEB is looking to work directly with you. So Ms. Crystal Royal, if you can please explain what you have going on here and, and how you're helping our community. Well, I want to first say thank you, Deidre. You gave, oh my God, um, amazing information. I, I, I commend you on everything that you just shared today. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for your expertise. Uh, to the small business land out there, please go listen to this recording. I think there was pertinent information on there for you as an employer um, and as also employees. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Quest for Texas Best. Um, a lot of people don't know, a lot of people do know, but they don't know that we've extended the deadline to May 31st. Um, the, the point of Quest for Texas Best is to find the best in Texas of uh, non-foods and foods um, and, and have them premiered and showcased in our stores. So, uh, please go to the website, www.heb.com slash quest. I'm going to repeat that again, www.heb.com slash quest. You have uh, 30 till the 31st at 4.59.59 59 p.m. I'm going to repeat that. 
459 p.m. Not five, not 501. 459 is when we close that portal. And, and we look for, uh, we, we, we are monitoring that portal. Our uh, global sourcing team is constantly looking for new and innovative uh, products and, and to put into our store. So please uh, visit our website at www.hcb.com slash quest. But there's also another way. And as Madi just put up, uh, May 31st, 4.59.59 p.m. Um, and then also there's another way for you to join the HEB Beautiful team is to become a supplier. And um, our website is here, which is supplier.heb.com which you, as you see in the red button below, there is a portal that you can submit all of your information. Uh, we, we encourage you to make sure that you put in that you are a small business owner, minority owned, veteran owned, women owned uh, business owner that will be captured in that portal. And then from there, we'll, you should begin to hear from us. Give it a, a, most people have been reaching out to me and I thank you for this platform because we've gotten an overwhelming a response in our supplier portal. Um, and I'm trying to keep up with all the emails. <laughs> um, give us a couple of weeks uh, when you submit, you will get back an email that shows you have a new identifier number. Um, but because of COVID and we're all working remotely, please give us an opportunity to, to, to get that information out. Mani, Juanita, my, my Istro Center, thank you so much for all that you do in the community and providing this platform for information for small business owners. Thank you so much. No, Crystal, thank you. I, I have already seen a new product on the shelf. Um, we know we all ran out of toilet paper. That was like, that was like a value of a bar of gold. And then I saw a new, no, I saw a new product. So thank you very much, H, you know, HB for thinking outside the box and reacting so quickly. But again, thank you so much to Deidre, uh, Deidre Patello, uh, your wealth of knowledge, the opportunity to be able to come in and provide the information, the links, and to put, you know, vision into what TWC is doing and so many other resources. The Maestro Center, you know, the Maestro Entrepreneur Center having the foresight again to be able to continue these webinars and bring much needed resources and information Otherwise, we may not have known. But the community, our listeners, those who are participating, the one thing that I am going to challenge, and this is going to be my, my call to action, is share. Share the information. Be able to speak to it. Be able to share it. Um, think outside the box. As an entrepreneur, you have the passion and the, and, and the opportunity to start a new business. Now go back extend that hand and bring someone else along with you, just as HEB has extended a hand to bring us along with them. Uh, thank you, HEB, BBVA, Wells Fargo, BIA, and all of our supporters, all of our chambers who have the passion, the drive to be able to, you know, get us through this and not alone. Never alone, always collaborative and always, you know, thinking about how can we have um, someone else's back. Um, thank you, Mari. And we look forward thank to next week's webinar. And what about yes. next webinars, ma'am? 
So next week, we're going to be talking about managing your funds in the new normal. So leveraging your financial resources in the best way possible. And we're going to bring in a professional CPA, as I mentioned. He's volunteering his time. So we're really thankful for that. And they, they're going to be providing afterwards consultations if you need to, to have access to that as well. So uh, please stay tuned. You know where to find us. It's every Wednesday at 11 a.m. for English session and 1 p.m. for Spanish session. So we're looking forward to, to, to uh, having your participation for next week. So thank you, Didri. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Juanita. Thank you for all of your participation. See you next week.